another episode of Confessing Animals podcast. I am your host, Jen Harris. And I'm Vanessa Arico. And we are stoked that you are here today. We are interviewing um, writer, wife, mother, educator, Libby Koch. And she's just, she's just, she's a, a strong and beautiful human being. She's truly someone I've seen come into the world of writing with an interest and a respect and a humility. And she just, she just shines really. Yes. She's a stoic Midwest writer. (laughs) And, uh, in this conversation, she, uh, she teaches us a lot about her, her life, her creativity, her writing, um, her childhood. Um, yeah. And, uh, her extreme love of Outlander. So all our Outlander fans out there, uh, this episode is for you. Thank you all for being here today for Confessing Animals. And this is our interview with Libby Coke. I am very curious about all of the of the elements that you sent in your bio because you were very stark and um, declarative in writer, mom, wife, teacher, reader, crafter, creator. And then you had human, and I wrote human, flawed, and miraculous because you have human, flawed, miraculous. <laughs> I, think <you're laughs> really, I think you're a really incredible person and you have so many dichotomies about you. So like, where where does the door open for creativity for you? Like, have you always been creative? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like since I was a kid, like it's, I'm always like doing an art project or writing a poem or a, I don't know. Like, yeah, I've always just been like a maker, I guess. So, how long have you how how long have you identified as a writer? And like, when how, when did your interest in that start? I don't think I probably called myself a writer, like to anyone until I don't know maybe in the last like 10 years ish or so um but I've always written like since I was in probably middle school I've always you know I've been obsessed with quotes and so I'd like make up my own little like affirmation quotes and you know relationship quotes and friendship quote like just dumb stuff and like writing a diary you know like just I've always just like felt like I've needed to put ideas on paper because I didn't think anyone wanted to like hear me say any of my weird ideas mm-hmm. so put them on paper and yeah I just I've always been creative and like loved books and words and all of that so but I yeah I wouldn't say I would call myself a writer probably until the last few years yeah what you know changed started pursuing the last few years like what what transition I mean empowered you is that the right word to call you yeah um 
I think I did like some internet course a few years ago that was like a weekly, you know, assignments, I guess it was a free library course or something. And kind of that, the point of that was like, you're writing, you're a writer, like you, you're writing stuff. You're a writer. Like don't, a writer doesn't have to be published and making money and you write things. You're a writer. You still led with it in your bio before mom and wife. And I really love the order because I'm, I personally am the kind of person who's like, I'm a writer and then I am everything else. Um, How does the role of family like um, empower and or hinder your creativity? You are a writer and a mom and a high school educator, right? Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, I don't, I think everything about my life like comes into when I'm writing, when I start thinking about a particular topic, it will lead to my students or my relationship or my kids or what I want for other people's kids. I mean, it, it kind of always leads that way, or it will lead to like, all of those things are like part of me, but they're not me. So like a lot of times I'll address all of those things and then try to find like where I fit as just me in those things. Um, I started like when you were like, this is about translation. I'm like, oh my God, what kinds of things have to be translated? And I literally have a list in my in notes on my phone of like all the things that have to be translated. And I was like, how do I get to, what do I write about? I, I don't even know. <laughs> well, I, so I went, will you share your list with us? I would love to know what's on it. Oh God, it's huge. I will just send it to you. Cause like, <laughs> it's gigantic. Well, tell me, literally, literally, like, like what's on it. Yeah. Just read us a few. Things that need translation, like legit, it's like four pages. Um, faces, body language, my feelings, your feelings, um, style, motions, intentions, lyrics, clouds, laws, morals, sermons, the Bible, maybe it needs untranslated, um, <laughs> rules, love languages, expectations, toddlers, uh, the stars, Morse code. Blood splatter. I don't know where my head oh, was. Oh, I like that one right there. Yes. <laughs> I was a little more with them in that moment. Um, broken branches. I mean, I like. Libby, this is beautiful. Oh, went, my God. It is went it on forever. Cold? I was like walking and it was freezing outside when my husband was running and I was like, I'll walk. Um, <laughs> and I'm like walking and typing my things that need translated. So anyway. I think that that in and of itself makes you a writer when somebody tries to include you in an alternate activity and you're too busy writing to like only sort of participate. That's a fucking writer. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there, but also this craft of mine. <laughs> and poets love lists and the lists themselves are a poem. So I'd love that you, you came with was, that. I was panicking when I said yes to the podcast and then I'm like, Oh my God, what if I don't know what to talk about? Well, okay, let's let's talk let's talk about that on air. Like, let's talk about why you were panicking. When when Vanessa and I were trying to figure out how to describe this podcast, that's why there's so many trailers, right? Because we we were like, I don't know. We had a four page list of all the shit we want to talk about and all the things that we're trying to communicate to people, which we can't do without other people. So like being scared of being seen was a big one of those. Like, how do we invite people that are masters of creativity in their own right, but they also have a life outside of this. You know, they also have a whole world that like, there's places where they're comfortable. There's places where they won't go. Like, 
why are you, why are you so scared, but you're so fearlessly in the Tuesday night class? Like, I'm curious about that dynamic. I think because I'm scared of it. Like, I, I think that's why I joined it. Like I knew I wanted to be with other writers and like with people who have like similar, I don't know, mindset weirdnesses that I have, I guess. Um, and like when it started, it was like, these are all strangers. So if they all think I'm stupid, who cares? Right. Like, <laughs> has anybody so ever, ever expressed to you that they thought you were stupid in this? Class? Oh no, not at all. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's part of the rules. Right. Um, so keep yourself uh, to yourself <laughs> yeah. and the people who think we're stupid just stop coming. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just, part of like, I guess with the podcast thing is like, I'm not that trendy. Like I'm not that cool. I'm old. <laughs> like why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? Cause like, that's exactly who I, I want to hear from. And, and that's exactly I'm, who I am. I mean, seriously, that's who we are. We are untrendy old ladies over here. Um, I am an over, overweight, over-opinionated, genderqueer who is just like, you guys should listen to me. And they're like, <laughs> why? And I'm like, I don't know, because I have an opinion. But I like that because you're like, oh, I'm boring. I'm trendy. I'm old. Nobody cares. Like, there's so many more of us out there that don't want to live that perfect little boxed pretty box life on Instagram. You know what I mean? And I'm interested in people like you, um, someone who is a mother, someone who is working every day, someone who has endless amounts on their plate and still finds time for their creativity. Like you still do it and it's important to you. And you said you came up with all these quotes and you thought maybe no one wanted to hear them. So you put them on the page. Do you want people to hear those words now? Yeah. I mean, I do. I want people to see things but I also am like, know that I'm not real great with like follow through. So, you know, I might submit something every a year and a half or something like to one place. Nothing's going to happen from that, but like do you <laughs> occasionally mean, like, it does. So, you know, are you saying that like your, your endeavors to expand the visibility of your writing are of, of less importance to you, but every once in a while you dip your toe in or you're having a hard time approaching that. Is it both? Is it one or the other? I think it's both. I mean, I think like some of the things I'm like, Oh, submitting to you is that looks too hard. I'm not doing that. Um, or I'm not paying for this. Cause why? Right. I don't know. I'm in priority. Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes too, I like, I love the the workshop because there's prompts and like literally you tell me what to write about and <laughs> I need I feel like I need that and I also I work really well if it's like you have to do this by this certain time so like I've done NaNoWriMo a couple of times where I've actually completed because it was a deadline that's um, fantastic that is written, so hard you've written so, multiple novels and yet you're still afraid of what some asshole is going to think about a 30 minute podcast is that and talk about yeah. follow through oh my god I did I was six days late to that NaNoWriMo and I only wrote one day and then I stopped <laughs> like there's well, no I've follow through here that too. like but yeah the first couple of times I did it and I don't know I just I guess it was the idea to like prove to myself that I could do it but then when the deadline was over and I had reached it, have I looked at any of those things ever again? No, like still good practice. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a, like, I need the instant gratification of putting it on the paper. And then I don't want to go back and like, do you feel like it's just like the actual courses? hard work? 
it's what? Like, is it more catharsis? Is this cathartic to like get it out on the page? Like it can't live inside of you. I need somewhere to put this thought or feeling. So I put it on the page and then like I can be done with it. Um, part of it is that. And the other part of it is just the motivation of doing the hard, the hard, the hard work is the editing and the like querying. What is like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I published my own books when they made it too difficult to get published. <laughs> I was just like, I've had a couple of meetings with some, with some publishing houses and I have not been impressed by what they're offering me and what they're taking from me. And then it was like, oh, I can just upload my own book to Amazon. And then, you know, I hear in the periphery of the writing world that self-publishing is still ugh, frowned upon, but um, I'd rather self-publish than have a a shitty novel with an underwhelming publishing house that doesn't do any work I can't do myself and still takes a cut of my money you know what and I mean? that's still part yeah, that's of doing true. the work like you're you're you didn't sit around and wait for you know someone else to do it if it doesn't have a possibility right now but you want it in the world then okay you can just I mean it's like a more digital updated form of zine making like we all made a bunch of zines like this podcast is kind of inspired by zine making and that whole DIY culture so why not publish your own book if that's what you want to do? Um, um, on that note, what um, I would like for you to read your first piece if you feel so inclined. What did you bring for us today? Um, so I guess the first one that I brought was from a prompt about silence. Okay. And it kind of fits in with my childhood idea, I guess. Well, we are here for so. it. Seen and not heard, good little girl in the front pew, quiet in desk grows, teachers go to, silence so shows grown-ups, you are smart, good, sweet. It's easy for them to think that their way will be your way, the right way. Then your voice changes, takes on a timbre that they haven't heard before. You know it's always been there. Why couldn't they see it coming? Here I am, speaking up and pushing to the front and yelling until you hear. But do you ever really listen? Was the expectation of silent agreement so loud it drowned out all of the sounds you didn't like, didn't want to exist? And when you were nodding like you heard me, like you saw me, like you understood, were you just hearing the beat of a drum that I never owned, never played? Don't be surprised if I go silent again, saving my voice for ears who listen for my soul. That was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Tell me about, um, tell me about that a little bit more in depth, like explain to me where that, where that's coming from. Um, I don't know. I think it just came from like, you know, the idea of silence and where, where have I experienced silence? And like that when you're a kid, being the quiet, good girl, like gets you things, mm -hmm. you know, like you're, no one says anything negative about you, but also sometimes nobody notices that you're there either. Um, and I've always just kind of been that person that's on the outside of things, like watching and trying to figure stuff out. And, um, I've come to realize that people sometimes take that as like a negative that I'm like too good to talk to anyone, but really I just don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> or I feel on the outside of things. 
Um, so yeah, I just think that kind of that growing up and like when you do get to be outspoken or have something to say that doesn't go along with what all the adults thought you were like, Mm -hmm. um, changes things. Like, I mean, even now, like as an adult and with, you know, adult parents, like I think sometimes they're surprised that I like think about things way differently than they do now. You know, like I'm not just parroting, Hey, listen, like, do you hear, like, I'm not the little silent, quiet, you know, Mm -hmm. teacher pet kid off to the side anymore. Like, I don't know. I think that's where my mind went when I was writing that. It's, it's a reflection of the fact that you have grown beyond the silence that you do have something to say, almost that you, you want to break this cycle in some way or another. Do you feel like you've encouraged your children and, or your marriage has been encouraged to be more vocal about how you feel upfront rather than like the way you were raised? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I just, when I went to college, I had a bunch of girlfriends that were like huggers and I love you. And like that. And, and I was like, this is so weird um and then when I you know I'd go home from college on the weekends and see my parents and have to leave again and I was like I'm hugging you and they were like what is this um and now I think it's you know that's not out of the ordinary and I don't see them that often so definitely that's like an expectation but um yeah like my kids are you know they tell me what they think they are huggers they are you know outspoken uh, my daughter's way more like me than anyone needs in the world. Uh, <laughs> I just want to point out that even on Instagram, like I went back to stalk you to see what you've been doing. I was, noticed. In, in 2012, Libby was raising her beautiful babies and then okay. she an eight year break. <laughs> because I didn't even realize I had an Instagram account from 2012. <laughs> like, uh, I was laughing so hard. Those pictures and like wanting to use a filter and then like, oh, well, okay, I guess I have to sign up for something. And so, yeah, there's like these like eight pictures of my kids playing in like the sprinkler outside or something like that. And yeah. I'm like, okay. I but then, but then you, you have your iCAD project and then you start posting on social media as if you're using it regularly. So like your Christmas with your, uh, your Outlander collection and your cardboard cutout were truly delightful because the glimpse into your life. <laughs> <laughs> I am crazy. And my husband is like, seriously, I have to compete with the cardboard cutout. <laughs> tell, no. us, tell us about this cardboard cutout. What's your, what's your love of Outlander, et cetera. Um, oh my gosh. Mm, this is like a seven hour uh, <laughs> interview now. No, um, my mom told me about the Outlander books, um, early on in my marriage. Like, I think I just moved, like, I think I'd been married for like two years. So this is like 2000, mm-hmm. um, or no, it'd be 2004. Um, she told me about these books and I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll start reading this. I'll get to it and later. <laughs> literally like plowed through the I think there were six books out and they're like mm-hmm. mm, I have the 18 copies of them right here but and just plowed through them and then like got to the end and had to wait and the author takes like four or five years to put a book out because it's just her process and that's how it is um she's and really so elaborate I, so I like listened yeah they're super elaborate so I listened to them like I was listening to them on CD in my van until my kids got old enough that I didn't want them to hear 
any of the things that they could understand and repeat um, (laughs) from in the car. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I just like I I was one of the people way back in Outlander that was like wishing there would be a movie or a TV show or something. And the author was like, there's no way you can put this book in a movie like there's too much. And then when they finally said they were going to do a TV show on stars, join Twitter because of that <laughs> yes <laughs> to follow all the actors or whatever and now like I mean I'm ridiculous I've been to convention there's a group in Iowa of sisters that decided they wanted an outlander convention so like I met the author and I bawled like cried when I met her um you've met actors that are in the show I've like done costumes like it's that's stupid. so exciting like nope. I'm exactly. what I want to know is why <laughs> why you gravitated toward and allowed that to expand your experience like why that particular series it's like I mean the author will say you can't define what the books are Diana Gabaldon will say like they don't fit like no one wanted her book to begin with because it didn't fit on a shelf at Barnes and Noble like with a category but like there's time travel and romance and war and amazing sex and like all of these things like and like it's everything like there's everything in these books and the characters are so well developed in the storyline and just, I just like fell in love with all of the everything about it um and like I've been obsessed with it since I started reading them I mean I've the only books I've ever really read more than one time like before Outlander was Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe yeah I, I read that several times um that was like really it and then now these books like I could go back and read them over and over and I'm obsessed and the tv show is so amazing like it's a completely different entity I would say like I separate the two like I know they're different things the books and the tv show but like the acting is so amazing the actors themselves are like good people like raise money for things and like are nice to their fans and um they're funny and Who knew? <laughs> yeah like they're really great people um I don't know it's just yeah that's my what obsession what about the, the storyline um does it inspire any of your own writing does it inspire you to explore a genre or to do like NaNoWriMo like is is if you had to genre if you had to count it as a genre would you call it sci-fi um the time travel piece of it yes and I am obsessed, like I do write time travel-y things, which is really hard. And so I usually stall out because I can't figure out how exactly it works, <laughs> like for my world or whatever. Right. Time splitting um, is really difficult because you have to hold, you have to put that pin in where exactly the moment you left is and then come back to it. Right. And it's like. Right. And then like, did time go on while you were in the past or do you come back to write at the exact same time you left? I mean, like it's. Mm, mind-boggling I don't know I just I think that the the character development uh, is like first and foremost that I see in that series like every single character is real Mm -hmm. and like completely flawed Mm -hmm. but perfect at the same time I mean like I don't know I just and like the um, Diana Gabaldon spoke at this convention thing that I went to and I've already read like everything she's ever written about anything. So 
a lot of what she said I knew, but like she didn't start writing until she was 36 years old. Yeah. And I was like 38 at the time when I met her and I was like, Oh, like you don't have to start doing this, you know, out of college to like make it a thing. Right. And you didn't have to go to college to make it a thing for you. Right. Right. Yeah. So like she was a scientist and like wrote for science things and like wrote Donald Duck cartoons for Disney. Like, I mean, you know, that delights me. <laughs> right? I know. Right. She talks about it. It's really cool. Um, the things so, we do for a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, yeah, that's my little, like, if I fangirl anything, that's my thing. Well, I think that's and, great. And I think it's important to have kind of a motivating um, icon in some way, you know, like mm-hmm. so I've got a few women side by side that I'm like, whatever you want, I would do it for you as long as you keep writing these books and these songs, you know, oh, like right. direct, my heart is on that same journey as a creative, but it fills me so full and gives me more inspiration because mm-hmm. because they continue doing what they do. And that that notion of like, you don't have to begin this at any certain point, I think is such a powerful message. And I also think we need to highlight more stories of later in life success and everything um, highlights the success of children, the success of 20 under 25, 30 under 30, everything is um, very youth oriented. Who knows anything before 30? I don't want to read a memoir of somebody in their 20s. Like you haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, that I the the selling of the youth to to us all has been I think really detrimental. You know, my own ideas of I remember when I had my Facebook. It was like facebook.com forward slash, and you can pick your own you know your own URL. I remember having to change it from Pulitzer by thirty <laughs> because I was like, nope, sure didn't happen. Wow. No. But well, at twenty five, yeah. when I committed to that, I, I was like, oh you better believe I'm going to have a Pulitzer in five years. Well, I threw my life away in my 20s. And by the time I hit 30, I sold myself out. I was like, I'm old. This is it. I'm done. I'm, I've am i done all my growing and learning and changing in my best work in my 30s. And as I approach 40s, I am so excited what's to come because like, it it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I stopped telling myself I'm a failure because I'm 37 and I haven't achieved some kind of magical level of success or greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I spent my 30s raising little kids because, like, I was like, I'm going to be done having kids by the time I'm 30. That was my goal. Because <laughs> right. um, I didn't want to be a 90-year-old parent of teenagers. Um, and... So like hitting 40, like a lot of people are like, oh, 40. I'm like, no, this is fucking awesome. Like I love being 40. Yeah. For some reason, like literally that day, I was like, I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks about me. I don't care. I don't like, I don't have time to be the mediator anymore. Like I've always been the, like, I can see both sides and let's talk about this. And this is why she's mad at you. And this is why he's mad at you. Like I can, I was always the mediator. And now I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Like, mm-hmm. fuck up, do your job, leave people alone, like, stop causing drama, whatever. Like, I just, I hit 40 and didn't care anymore. Absolutely. And I think was able to just, you know, go, okay, I like to do this. I'm going to do this for myself, or I don't like this and stop doing this. Right. Just release um, that pressure and give yourself yeah, that yeah, like, permission. I don't know. 
I just, yeah, 40 is amazing. I'm excited for you, both of you for 40. Like, Yay, 40. Here we come. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the conversation with Libby today. She's someone I don't know as much as well. I haven't had any kind of outside the group experience with her or any one-on-one time. So uh, it just felt so good, like just getting to know more about her. She, um, I don't know, I feel like she opened up a little bit and I got a, a glimpse that I hadn't had before. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I loved hearing about um, everything that makes her excited and and how how vast that spectrum is, you know, from from teaching teenagers and being a, a mom to teenagers to, to her cardboard cutout of a star of Outlander. Like <laughs> that's so uh, good. You know what, the, how many beautiful dichotomies can exist in just one person. And like, I think every episode we find out many in numerous. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm really excited. Um, thank you guys for joining us on another edition of confessing animals podcast. I'm Jen Harris. And I'm Vanessa Arico. Y'all have a great night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Confessing Animals. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review so more people can find us. And if you want to support the show or get access to the extended video casts, join us on Patreon, confessinganimalspodcast.com. Thank you.